Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Right back at Raider Nation guest line. Uh, welcome back, by the way, to uh, In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila in Bahadur. Going to go out to the uh, Raider Nation guest line to welcome in our good friend Sam Gordon, my uh, teammate over at uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal. My man, how are you doing today? Vinny, man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? How's everything I'm going? Do- Everything's going good. Missed you this morning, but I we'll, we'll hook up tomorrow morning. Uh, you know oh, what I'm no talking doubt. about. Um, <laughs> for our uh, podcast that we do, and we normally do it on Monday, but you know, things happen, right, Sam? Things things come yeah, up. Absolutely. Uh, we got you got to be flexible. Yeah, you got to be versatile. We're adaptable, Vinny. We're adaptable. It's part of the business in 2021. You got to be adaptable. We're making always, it forward. Always. I'm forward to it. Every every conversation you and I have is. It feels to me like it's a good conversation. So I'm more than married. Completely, completely, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Uh, and you can follow Sam at by Sam Gordon. Uh, and I highly suggest uh, that you do. Uh, all right. So uh, the Raiders made a, a move today. Um, and, you know, uh, looking at uh, Rasul Douglas, who they uh, signed as an unrestricted free agent today from the Carolina Panthers uh, by way of the Philadelphia Eagles. Sam, you know what? Actually, a pretty good, solid football player. When you look back uh, at what he's done uh, since 2017 uh, as a third-round pick with the Philadelphia Eagles, had a solid year last year, had a couple of bad games that might have distorted the overall grade. But other than the two games where, you know, he just didn't play well, a really solid season um, for for uh, Douglas, and really he'd be the highest graded cornerback uh, on the Raiders uh, off of last season. So not a bad deal, uh, I would imagine that you're thinking as well. Yeah, with you completely. Uh, Eleven starts, right? Uh, Twenty nine starts over the course of the last four years. He did play, uh, played significant, uh, had a significant amount of reps with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. So. He knows what success looks like. He's experienced a winning culture, a winning atmosphere, and uh, and he's a fit in his own scheme, right? And I think that's huge. When you talk about Gus Bradley coming in here, we know he likes to play a lot of cover three, uh, likes to play his own coverage, and it, with having somebody that's familiar with his own scheme, that's played a lot of zone, that's comfortable doing so uh, in Carolina, bringing him over, at the very least, it, it fortifies your depth and gives you um, upside. Uh, and at, at the most, you're getting a, a starter out of this deal. Maybe you push Damon Arnett. Uh, inside in the, in the slot corner, he, he I, I see him competing with guys for a starting uh, a starting job. And let, let's you know he's still young, Vinny, like 26 years old, going to be 27 in August. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. He's big, six two, 209 pounds. He's a big, rangy corner, and uh, and I think the Raiders secondary is going to be improved just by uh, the sheer nature of having an improved pass rush, spending money on that defensive line, fortifying your front. We know that's going to help out the secondary a little bit, but when you can bolster your secondary with an, a proven veteran player, uh, I think all it's going to do is help out that defense, and it gives it gives Gus Bradley uh, and Ron Miles and those guys more options, um, and and it gives them an opportunity to build out this defense the way they want to. So, definitely a, a solid signing, and kind of surprised he, he was he stuck around as long as a free agent. You know, it's funny because on Twitter people are like, "Well, he's long, but he's a little bit slow." Yeah, so is Richard Sherman. Uh, that's why he lasted to the fifth round, but was a really good player. I'm not comparing, um, you know, uh, Douglas to Richard Sherman by any stretch of the imagination, but you kind of hit the nail on the head of what he does and kind of what Richard Sherman uh, did for that Legion of Boom and has excelled excelled at uh, over the course of his career. He's a zone-playing 
cornerback can match up, you know, one on one. No, no, no question about it. But doesn't have, you know, the greatest speed. But he's got he's that long, rangy, uh, smart, intelligent kind of zone defender, uh, much like a, a Richard Sherman. It's he's from that um, uh, mold, is what I is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, and, and listen, uh, yeah, of course, you want every defensive back on the roster to be a 4-3 or a 4-2 guy. Sure, of course you do, but you can't, I think, like you said, having a savvy, having uh, an IQ, that can make up for some of what you can or can't do physically, right? If, if he's in the right spots, familiar with zone coverage, familiar with zone schemes, and knows what he's doing in that kind of situation, in that kind of role, then, then I think being in the right place at the right time is going to make up for any issues he has with speed or things like that. Uh, Richard Sherman, like you said, very, very, very high IQ football player, high IQ football player. I'm not saying, um, and you're not saying Rasul Douglas is that, or is going to be a prime Richard Sherman. And that's a very, very lofty comparison, but there are some similarities there. And I think that again, bodes well for what the Raiders want to do, gives them another body, gives them somebody that can make plays that can be disruptive, that can match up with bigger, more physical receivers and and allows them uh, to, to do some different things defensively than they were doing last season. Uh, we're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, you can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Uh, check him out on um, uh, Vegas Nation, the app, VegasNation.com, uh, on, on, on the Internet. Uh, um, there's all kinds of different ways uh, to follow and uh, catch all of his work. Um, Sam, you kind of uh, touched on this uh, just a second ago, uh, but what do you think this means? I don't think he's coming in here just to be – you know, a third or fourth cornerback. I think he's coming in here, hey, this job is open, and to the best man, uh, you know, we'll get it. Uh, I also think there's options with Damon Arnett. You go back to his career at Ohio State. He's played in the slot. The Raiders have uh, an opening at slot, a couple of, um, you know, uh, young players that are going to be in contention for that. But, you know, if, if, if the way the chips may fall, you know, Doug- Douglas wins uh, an outside cornerback job. Uh, and it moves Damon Arnett inside. Maybe they've strengthened, uh, you know, all th- both of those positions in one fell swoop. Agree, agree completely. And it's, I mean, yeah, you know, you draft Damon Arnett in the first round, and you probably do that not with the intention of moving him to slide. You probably want him to be an outside guy. But look, we know where the, where the what the, how the game is played in 2021, Vinny. Like, what every team has a slot receiver 90 percent of the time, or so it feels that way, right? And if because if Damon Arnett has some familiarity. Being a slot corner, um, like you said, if he can match up with guys in the slot, you put the bigger, more physical corner and Rasul Douglas out there, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think he's at the point of his career. He's coming off of a season in which he started nine games. And I also, I thought he was an effective tackler. He had a career-high 62 tackles last year. He's coming in to compete. At the very least, he's competing for a starting spot. And it would not shock me one bit if he emerges as a starter and bumps Arnett uh, to the inside, and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't. Yeah, again, you, you you have this vision for Damon Arnett just because he isn't that player that they envisioned him being, or he isn't that yet, doesn't mean that he can't be an effective player in maybe a different role. So uh, now you have options. It, it, the the whole the secondary as a whole, um, I think, is going to be improved again. The, you, just based on the young players getting better and having more of a pass rush, but having a veteran corner that's familiar with zone schemes, that's experienced, that's played in big games, does nothing but bolster this group. And, and it really, I, I like the move. I think it's a good get, especially at this point in free agency as we're nearing the draft, which is next week. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it, we've, we keep, you know, we've talked about this, Sam. Uh, there is yeah. a lot of depth in free agency. Uh, there are a lot of decent football players who, because of a lower salary cap, um, are, are still out in the open market. Now they're kind of waiting 
to see what you know might be available to him, whether it's before the draft or, or, or after the draft. But there's good, solid football players that are still out there, and that includes uh, the offensive line. So we'll see if the Raiders dip back into that uh, population uh, before it's all said and done, and maybe that's where they end up getting their right tackle. But we are a day closer to the to the draft. Um, in some ways, it's, it's taken forever to get here, but in other ways, it's been it got here in the blink of an eye. Uh, you know, when you when you think back to uh, just last season. So uh, here we are, uh, uh, shortly out from the draft. Uh, do you have any inkling, any clues, any gut feeling uh, where the Raiders go, especially with that 17th pick overall? Oh man, that's a that's a great question. I, I think you have a couple of glaring needs, right? You have the free safety that you need, the free safety of the future, and then you have the right tackle, um, the right tackle of the future. Like you said, there are options, there are veteran options out there. But if I'm the Raiders, I still I, I like the idea of of locking up a young offensive lineman, a young offensive tackle, and, and putting him a, a, across from Colton Miller, kind of bookending your tackles and knowing what you have uh, on that on that offensive line moving forward. You, you continue the youth movement, continue to kind of solidify what, what you have been building uh, with, with Tom Cable and with John Gruden and Mike Mayock these last couple of years. That has been a strength of the team. And if you could get like a Christian Derrissaw, if he falls to 17 and he's there uh, and he can be your right tackle of the future, um, I, I'm all for that. I think that's, that's the way to go. And, and now there is depth in this draft to tackle. We, we know they have pressing needs elsewhere. And there is a scenario which one, where, where one of these top defensive players, maybe there's a world in which they, they fall, right? We've talked about it um, on the podcast before. If, what do you do if Patrick Sertain is there or if a Micah Parsons is there or if a Quiddy Pay is there? I'm not necessarily saying I expect those guys to be there, but I think they warrant hard consideration if they are. Now, with that said, I want to go back to what I said at the, you know, to, to start the answer. I like the idea of solidifying your right tackle spot moving forward. You know who your right tackle is. You know who your left tackle is. That offense stays in business and is able to build on what it did last year. That's the route I would go. But you never know, right? You, you never know um, how the draft is going to shake out or who's going to be available, who's not going to be available. Uh, if, if there's a Michael Parsons on the board or Patrick Sertain, I think they, they warrant a very, very, very hard look because this team, the defense, yes, it's improved via free agency, but we know there are still holes and we know there are still uh, that they can use as much talent as possible regardless of position. So um, it's going to be exciting. I, I love the draft, right? This was one of the most fun, fun times of the year and, and all the buildup um, is well warranted and we're going to see what they do next week. All right, man. I'm putting on my Jacob deGrom jersey. Ooh. Okay. I'm warming up my arm. I, I just yeah, got out yeah. of the bullpen. I'm taking. I'm, I'm. I'm stepping up to the mound right now. You're up to bat, and I'm going to throw you a nasty slider and, and and throw this at you, Sam. Would you yeah. trade up to number seven? And and the reason I'm asking this question is I'm hearing things, Sam. I'm hearing things. All right. And uh, what I'm hearing is that the Detroit Lions, who own uh, pick number seven, uh, have an interest in potentially moving back. And I don't think that um, they're going to be asking for the world. So they have a bigger, broad picture of, of where they're going, and they're going to be do it patiently and diligently. And so they're trying to gather as many picks as they possibly can. If the Detroit Lions ask the Raiders, and you're the general manager right now, all right, we'll take your number 17 pick, We'll take your first round pick next year and either your second, third round pick this year or your fourth round pick this year. And we'll 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 exchange places for you. We'll give you the seventh pick uh, overall mm. with the intention now uh, of drafting a Micah Parsons to make sure that you get your guy if you're the Raiders and if that's who the Raiders have their eye on. And I know that they like him a lot. I'll just throw that out there. Would you be willing 
to make a move like that to go secure arguably the best defensive player in this draft? Oh, that is a great question, Vinny. That is a great question. And that is also, again, tremendous reporting uh, on your end um, to, to put that out there, to that the Raiders, that there might be some possibilities there. Now, first, I think it makes a ton of sense if you're Detroit, right? Detroit has holes all over the place. They need as many picks, as many players as they possibly can. Totally makes sense. Uh, with that said, I, I'm a fan of, if, any, if, if I'm doing any trading, I like, to, I'm, I like to be the team that trades back and, and adds more picks. And I still think the Raiders are at the point where, yeah, you're deeper, yeah, you're more talented than you were a year ago at this time, at least on paper anyways. But I think that, to me, that's just a little too much. Um, I would stand pat and, and still be content knowing that I can get a game-changing player uh, at 17, a day-one starter, whether that be at the free safety position or at right tackle. Now, now with that said, um, if, if, they're, if the Raiders feel like Michael Parsons is, is the key to unlocking this defense and is a difference maker and one of those big-time dynamic defensive players uh, that, that they haven't had in recent years since Khalil Mack, then I can see why you give that some consideration because this, I mean, I think you, you look at Michael Parsons, you break down the film, there's nothing he can't do at that linebacker position. He's fast, he's instinctive, he's a, he has a high IQ, he plays with a great motor, he plays with great pace, there's nothing he can't do. He can get after the passer, he makes plays in the run. So it's, it's understanding the appeal that he has. But to me, that's just a little bit too much. I'm staying, I'm staying put, I'm trying to add some depth. And especially knowing that now you have Gus Bradley uh, as your defensive coordinator and his staff, knowing what they can do with player development, those third-round picks are become a little bit more valuable, in my opinion, especially if you elect to go defense there uh, because of his track record for development. So it's def- I'm definitely picking up the phone. I'm thinking about it, but at the end of the day, just a little too much. I'm staying at 17, trying to build out my offensive line and then get depth later in the draft and then hope I can develop some of those players down the road. Well. There you have it, uh, and it's a sound uh, and prudent thinking uh, on, on Sam's part, and um, so it's it's one of those kind of situations where at number seventeen they have options and they have choices to make, um, uh, and I think and that, that's an, and that's advent like you want choices, right? That's the situation you want to be in. It's always good to have flexibility. Yeah, and I think that they're actually um, for the first time in a long time uh, they're operating from. I think a position of more strength than, than I think people are kind of giving them credit for. They're not in a desperation mode right now. Um, you know, they've done a lot with this roster over these last few years. I know it hasn't shown up in a playoff appearance, but they've steadily gotten better. Uh, and I think this roster reflects that um, so that they don't have to be desperate. But I just have this inkling that they, they, that they feel like uh, a playmaker – Surrounded by all the other, you know, young defensive players that they put together on this roster, uh, can can take this defense uh, to a whole other level, and that's what such makes such for such a, com- a compelling uh, decision. Do you move up to go make sure that you get the guy that you want? Um, obviously, the price is always going to be the key. Uh, you're not going to overpay to do that, uh, but if it's in the ballpark, um, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, so, so uh, we'll see. They may be at that position, or or uh, in in the work themselves in a position where uh, sacrifice some assets to go get a guy that they feel is going to make a huge difference on an otherwise could-be solid uh, defense. All right, Sam, before we let you get out, today OTAs started uh, for uh, everybody across the NFL. It's phase one of the OTAs. A lot of teams have already announced that they're opting out of the in-person um, phase of, uh, of OTAs. Uh, it's not a real big deal until next month when on-field practices start. But let's just assume that the Raiders stick to their guns, nothing changes, and that uh, they're not on the field uh, as a full team 
uh, come March 9th or May 19th when, when the on-field aspect uh, starts up. How damaging uh, would it be for the Raiders uh, for a second straight year not to have this time of year to get some of these younger players uh, on the right track and uh, on a track to being productive NFL players? Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge, right? I mean, we, you know, throughout the course of the season, that was kind of a uh, uh, one of the storylines that emerges, you know, throughout the year as we talk to players and coaches. I, I think there was a real sense that not having a full off-season program um, was detrimental to what the Raiders were, were or weren't able to do on the field, right? The more reps you have, the more time, the more practice time you have, just in whatever capacity, uh, I think the better off you're going to be, especially when you're a young team. So, yeah, I, I think it would be, a, you know, in terms of the product on the field, I think it would, it would set it back a little bit. Um, with that said, uh, totally understand where the players are coming from in, in terms of not being, uh, not being, not participating in, in the voluntary portion. Uh, there's a lot going on, right? I mean, it's, I mean, this is a business as much as it, as anything else. And the players understand that. And, and they're at the point where, you know, they have a voice, they have a platform through the players union. The, these decisions aren't, aren't made individually. I mean, there's a, a lot of collaboration and a lot of conversation and dialogue that goes into this. Uh, that, that goes into these decisions, or I'm assuming there is anyways, at least with the other teams around the NFL. And you've been all over this for the Review Journal with great, with great work and great coverage as always. So, uh, so I, I get where the players are coming from and why they want to, why they want to sit out and, and fully respect that. But, but, but to answer your question, yeah, I think you're still, I mean, yeah, you've added veterans and, and, and things like that, and you've done a lot to upgrade this, this team, but there are still a lot of young players that you are counting on to develop. Um, going into the year, and the hope would be if they if this is, does indeed play out, the hope would be for the Raiders. I'm sure is that you're able to maximize kind of whatever time you do get on the field and improve through there, and then hope that you can kind of make up for lost time uh, in training camp and going into the season. But this is one of the things where the, the business side becomes a little bit more prevalent. Um, respect to the players for for advocating for themselves and, and doing what they got to do. And, and like you said, hopefully it doesn't it doesn't hurt the product on the field too much. It doesn't slow the development of, 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 of the, the group as a whole, especially that defensive side of the ball, because you have a lot of new faces coming in here. You have a lot of new pieces that you're going to be counting on uh, to make an impact. So, so we'll see how everything plays out. But, but um, that, it, you know, that, that, I do think that, that harmed the Raiders last year on the field, as well as other teams around the NFL. They weren't unique in that regard. And uh, we'll see how everything looks this fall if the players stick to what they're saying right now. Well, I'm going to advocate advocate for one Sam Gordon. Uh, go follow him at by Sam Gordon. Go read all of his stuff at the Las Vegas Review Journal, Vegas Nation, VegasNation.com. Uh, it's worth the time. Trust me when I say that. Uh, Sam, thanks for, so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, talk to you tomorrow morning, bright and early. Um, uh, and don't be a stranger uh, on the show. Really appreciate the input, brother. Every, anytime, Vinny. I appreciate it. And we will talk again tomorrow. Talk soon. Take care. You got it. You got it. That's Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. He'd stay at number 17, um, get the right tackle, and uh, build this offensive line and protect Derek Carr and open up holes for Josh Jacobs and uh, Kenyon Drake and, and give Derek Carr time to be able to uh, utilize all these new weapons uh, that he has, from Henry Ruggs to uh, Willie Sneed, um, you know, Brian Edwards, uh, obviously, Darren Waller. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of versatility on this offense, and uh, if Sam was in charge, uh, he'd make sure that uh, it all got blocked up up front. Uh, so go get the tackle at number 17. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Imbajara. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 9:20 a.m. Now back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What up, what up, what up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. You're in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila 
Embajador. Uh, the Raiders made a move today, bringing in Rasul Douglas, uh, the cornerback, veteran cornerback, former third-round pick in 2017 by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, played a uh, role in um, you know the, the the Eagles winning a Super Bowl championship. Uh, played pretty well that season, by the way. Um, ended up with uh, I think I want to say three uh, interceptions or maybe two. Let's just see. Uh, he had one. Wait, hold on a second. Um, dun, 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 dun. He had multiple interceptions too his first year, three his second year. So uh, has five in his career. Hasn't had a, hasn't had an interception in the last two years. Um, but he's a viable player, somebody that um, can push for a starting job, um, maybe strengthen the outside cornerback position, maybe move um, Damon Arnett inside, uh, or maybe at the very least be a guy that uh, is is part of a prominent part of the defensive backfield. We all know that um, most defenses are not in uh, their base defense 100% of the time, let alone 50% of the time. Uh, they they do a lot in pass coverage, nickel dime uh, coverage. So uh, somebody like um, Douglas is going to get a lot of time uh, to um, you know to 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 play, whether it's as a starter or as a reserve, and just playing a whole lot of snaps, which is what he's done his entire career. Uh, he's been uh, you know four years in the league uh, and plays a lot and has played a lot. Uh, last year ended up with uh, 821 snap counts. Uh, for the uh, Carolina Panthers, most of which, seven, more than 700, uh, were uh, lined up as the outside cornerback. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider Dave? Doing good, Vinny. I'm glad you guys are talking about defense. Um, got a couple of, one comment and one question, really. I think Garnett's going to have to play inside. He tackles with his head. You can't have that to be your outside guy trying to stop the run or you know taking on bigger receivers. But uh, with the regards to the draft and linebackers, which I've said it's already my favorite move is to get a linebacker with that first pick, the draft picks have either a three-digit number that they have like a value or whatever. Or, I mean, when, when Parsons would go, say, seventh or ninth, uh, and I like the move to seventh ahead of uh, Denver taking a chance at him, I think if Denver goes for – if it looks like they want to go with a quarterback, then Parsons will be safe to, for us to trade – and uh, and get there maybe with the Vikings or something. But uh, as far as Detroit is seven, I think that's a slam dunk as far as if you really want Parsons. But the grade on Parsons versus the grade on Kusamoa at a different position that they would take. Let's say uh, Kusamoa ends up being 17. Let's say Parsons is uh, around 9 to 12. What is the grade on either one of those positions or the picks or, that go at those positions? Um, are we talking about uh, the positions that they play or the positions that they're drafted? I'd like to say the positions, I guess, but um, it seems like the player has their own grade. But I thought the position was worth X amount, and that's how teams end up figuring out that a trade is worth X amount to be at that position. Right, yeah, there's there's a draft chart, um, value chart. Um, it's It's not as... Um, in vogue as it, as it used to be, there used to be a point. There was always a point, um, you know, uh, value attached to each draft pick, and you know, teams use that when deciding, you know, what to give up or or what to accept uh, in a trade. I don't think that it's it's being used quite as much now, um, especially with you know the money situation is a lot different than it was. Uh, you're not invested uh, as much money in in some of these guys. If you remember correctly. 
Um, back in the day, guys were signing $50 million, $60 million contracts as first picks in the draft, second picks in the draft. Things have changed uh, in, in, in that regard. Uh, but if you're the Raiders and, and you know, I, I think a ballpark uh, guesstimation would be the 17th pick overall, either one of the third round picks this year or the fourth round pick this year and next year's number one. That's kind of the, the ballpark of what it might take to move from 17 to number seven. I know everyone's getting hung up on the first round pick next year. Oh, it means that the Raiders are, are mortgaging their, the, the, the future. I don't necessarily yeah, but let's, think. Let's, let's say they make the playoffs. Okay, so that means they're not going to pick. If they make the playoffs and get bounced the first week, they're not going to pick any higher than, what, 22nd or 19th anyway? Right, exactly. Um, so so there's that, to, there's that to consider. Obviously, anytime you trade a first-round pick, um, there, there's a gamble aspect. What happens if your quarterback goes down and all of a sudden now you, you know, got a top five pick. Well, that's what that's, but you can't operate out of fear. Um, And I I go back to the Rams and I know that people are saying, well, the Rams, you know, just have drafted a lot better. And and that's true. They, they have historically than the Raiders, especially uh, recently, but the fact still remains the the Rams haven't had a first round pick since 2016 when they drafted Jared Goff and they're not going to have a first round pick again until 2024, they've traded first-round picks left and right to go get the Jalen Ramseys of the world, Brandon Cooks, um, um, you know Marcus Peterson, Marcus Peters, I should say. Uh, there's there's a uh, to, to trade up to go get Jared Goff in the first place, and now uh, Matthew Stafford. They've given up multiple first-round picks, future first-round picks to go get them. It's not you're not mortgaging your the future by giving up a single number one pick future number one pick. You're just not. And if you feel like Micah Parsons is that compelling of a player uh, and can make that much of a difference on your defense, and, I, and I, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't even consider this two years ago when the Raiders, to me, had holes all over Oh, exactly. Absolutely. You're right on par with that. But as they get closer, and here we should have been in the playoffs here, you can talk about the defensive backfield letting up on two games that probably would have gotten them in, if not three, where the Raiders had the lead late. But regardless of all that, that's only one play at the end of the game that's on the defensive backfield. The rest of the game, where's the pass rush? Where's well, stopping yes. the run? Yes, and and uh, I'm glad you brought that up because even had they made, and I've talked about this a lot, you know, they're three plays away from potentially getting to the playoffs. But even if they make those three plays, it doesn't, um, uh, it, it doesn't, it shouldn't overshadow the, or wouldn't have overshadowed the fact that this defense needed a lot of help. A, a new defensive coordinator, a new defensive leader, a new scheme, better coaching better players, right? So even had they held on to beat the Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers, it wouldn't have changed the fact, as you uh, so eloquently put, there's a whole other part of the game, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, four, four, three, three quarters and, and 14 minutes of bad defensive play last year. Uh, that's what really needed to get fixed. And well, let me close with, with this. I mean, it's obvious that we have a possible number one running back. We have a possible uh, number one tight end. We have a possible top five quarterback rating quarterback. Where are we anywhere with a top five or even top ten player on the defense? So to me, 
it's high time to go ahead and make a move to get that one difference maker, to get that attitude player that's going to set the tone for the defense. I've said it before, the offense is the personality, the defense is the attitude of a team. And if they don't have playmakers on the on the defense, and they've already gotten rid of Hurst and Key because they weren't playmakers. They didn't make plays. So if they want somebody to make plays to get this thing rolling underneath Bradley, they've got to go ahead and make this move. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And, and you know, I'm not, to me anyway, we're not putting a Michael Parsons into a empty, you know, uh, uh, cupboard. It's There's good players, I believe, players with promise uh, that are around, uh, you know, that would be around him. Um, Corey Littleton, Yannick Ngakwe, I think Cleve Farrell has a bright future. We could go on and on. So it would be adding an impact player to a defense that in spite of some of the results still has, t- there is talent to work with there and to develop. So uh, appreciate the call, uh, Raider Dave. Uh, as always, we're going to go out to um, the Raider Nation listener line. Raider T wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider T? Hey, how's it going, Vinny? We're good, man. How are you doing? Good. Can't complain. Hey, in terms of the draft, I got two things. And I've definitely changed my opinion over the last two months, reading more about the different players. But number one, I tend to agree with your last insider, uh, Sam Gordon. I, I would personally, I would stay where we are and either get um, um, Tavon Jenkins or Derrishaw to play right tackle in the first round and then Richie Grant to play safety in the second round. I think there's a big drop-off after Grant for safety. I'm not convinced Holland's a free safety. I'm not convinced Cisco's a free safety. Um, the kid from Ida, uh, Indiana, that's getting a lot of hype the last week, I'm not convinced he's consistent enough yet to be a free safety. So um, if if you trade up for Parsons, and Parsons is a stud, I think you're not going to be able to get your safety this year. You're going to have to start Carl Joseph and wait till next year to draft Um a safety. And, you know, personally, uh, I'm not willing to trade up. If he slides through, it's great. And if he doesn't, I would rather take that guy. Um, I guess his nickname is Joke, the guy from Notre Dame, the linebacker. Jeremiah Uso Korabara. Thank you. So rather than give up draft picks, I would rather, if, and the only reason I take one of those two is I, if I think that guy is a difference maker against the Chiefs. Is one of those two guys a guy that you can stick on Kelsey and erase Kelsey? Because we've been killed by tight ends for the last 15 years. We have no answer to Pro Bowl-level tight ends, whether it's Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, Kelsey. If we get somebody like that, if one of those two guys we think is good enough to basically erase um, Kelsey and also, um, you know, when um, home scrambles, has the speed not only to get to him but to punish him, then I think you do it, and then in the second round you get your tackle, whether it's Eichenberg from Notre Dame, Cosme from Texas. I've heard a lot of hype about the kid from Stanford. He's kind of a sleeper. Um, then then and only then do I think uh, you pass on the tackle in the first round if you can get somebody that can uh, make a difference against Kansas City. You know, what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I, like, I like where you're, where you're headed with, with all that. Um... You know Jeremiah from from Notre Dame is he's he's a little bit smaller uh, than than Micah and um, he, but he's definitely shown uh, that he can defend the pass. Uh, he's more of a zone coverage kind of a guy, but you can he's he's sort of that Swiss Army knife, and I think which fits perfectly into what um, Gus Bradley's defense is all about. Um, you know he, you can play, you can play him uh, as an in box safety. Uh, he could rush the passer. 
Um, I think I think the passer pass rush thing is is more on stunts and blitzes and things like that, um, where you're where you're changing it up and sent, he's he's really fast uh, in that regard. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be averse at all uh, to to drafting Jeremiah at number seventeen, uh, but I just think that the, there's one premier defensive playmaker in this draft, uh, and I think that's Micah Parsons. And I and you know I'm looking on Twitter and I see you know uh, one, one one somebody saying well you know he's 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 not good in pass coverage. Another play, another somebody else is saying that you know he's he's more of an off ball linebacker than a than a guy that can you know get after the quarterback. Well, you know he's he he was used in different ways at Penn State. And remember, he only saw him for two years. Um, he didn't play last year uh, uh, because of COVID nineteen. Uh, to me, when you look at his profile, his skill set, his athletic ability, I think he's one of those type of guys that will be a three-down linebacker. I think you can um, send him on blitzes to rush the passer. I think you can put his hand in the ground to go rush the passer. I think he's a run stopper, and I think he can do what you were just talking about. I'm not saying that he's going to shut down Travis Kelsey. Nobody's going to do that. But he's big enough and stout enough and athletic enough to be able to stay with those type of tight ends uh, as well. I think he's the one do-it-all linebacker uh, in this draft, and I think that he's worth a top 10 pick, and you know, if, if I'm the Raiders, I seriously consider it if the price is right. Really appreciate the call, uh, Raider T. Uh, call anytime. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Lester wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Lester? Hey, Vinny. Yeah, I just want to chime in on this. and uh, Good conversation. Uh, I think Parsons definitely is the defender that I'm that if we do trade up, that's the one obviously we need to go for. Uh, we're, we've been missing a linebacker with his skill set for a long time, and we've passed up other linebackers before uh, in the draft, uh, namely Devin White um, a few years ago when we, we got Cleveland Farrell. So I think Parsons is definitely a, a Devin White type of linebacker. Okay, um, He's better. When it comes, he's he's, yeah, he, when it he's, com- he's yeah. better, flat out better when than Devin com- White. When it comes to trading a first-rounder, hey, that's something that's if it's worth it and we bet him, Heavily when it comes to his background and his character and when it comes to the fit in the Gus Bradley system and his knowledge and his football IQ, that all checks out. I wouldn't mind it at all. Grant, I don't like losing a first-round pick next year, but as long as you, you vet him and with his character and his football IQ and, and Gus Bradley loves him, hey, let's do it. Because our linebackers have been underachievers for years, okay? Uh, Littleton and Kurkowski, they're making good money right now. We would get Parsons on a rookie deal. And chances are he'd be the main leader of the defense for the next, you know, five years, if not longer. And two of those guys would be gone. Nicholas Morrow is only on one-year deal. So if Nicholas Morrow has a big-time year, are we going to pay him money to keep him? Most likely no. So um, I think that that's, it's definitely a move we should consider. Um, a couple of the, uh, you know, these tackles that everybody's talking about, Jenkins. I like Darrell Sal because he's better in pass protection and his arms are longer. But Jenkins scares me a little bit. Um, is he a tackle? Uh, does, does he have the feet? I mean, does he have the feet? I know his arms are short, too. So can he pass protect? That's the thing. Run blocking is one thing, Vinny. But when it comes to pass, this is, this is the NFL. This is a pass protecting league, okay? you got to be able to pass protect those red edge rushers on the outside. And it, you can't take a guard that high. I'm sorry. Barrett Tucker, there's another guy. I mean, is he a guard or is he a tackle? So the guy that, um, that I think they're going to look out for, and this is the way we draft, Vinny, I'm telling you, that Spencer Brown from northern Iowa, He's long, and he's mean, and he's athletic. Um, at 17, I, I really hope our team, I may be a second rounder, but that's the type of thing that we do. Uh, at 17, all of a sudden, we have like the choice of three 
tackles or something, and they go Spencer Brown instead of trading down. You know. <laughs> Well, reach, uh, I, I, I do know that uh, they're aware, trust me, they're aware of, uh, of Spencer Brown, but I don't think, and I think what, what, what works in that favor is that that's a guy that, um, that teams, including the Raiders, believe, you know, could be there in that third round and you get great value for yeah. a player that um, has a lot of upside. He's just a tremendous athlete, was great at, he, yeah. he caught my eye at the senior ball and, you know, I doubled back and, and, and doubled back. Uh, and just you know, uh, put out some questions to some people that I really respect. Like, am I missing something? Is this this guy would look pretty good? And there's no yeah. question that he's very highly thought of. But that's the beauty of it. It wouldn't be a first round pick, and the Raiders, there's no yeah. way the Raiders would, you know, pull the trigger at number one, uh, uh, you know, on him. But um, yeah. it's an interesting. And if we, Go ahead. If we if we stay at 17, I mean, Joke of course might be there. Zavin Collins, those two linebackers I really like. I mean, and then you could take a look at Spencer Brown in the second round, right? That wouldn't be bad, but we still have the safety issues. So, you know, Andre Sisco, Darius Washington, uh, Jamar Johnson, those guys might be there in third, the third round. So, and there's a trade down option. So we're going to be, we're going to be at 17 where there's going to be a lot of good football players at 17. Uh, so, you know, if we don't trade up for Parsons, hopefully, you know, if we can move down eight spots, pick up another third rounder or something or, or a second rounder next year, you know, we should consider moving down. So. Yeah, no, and I, 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 I uh, if if you don't move up to get Parsons, and Parsons isn't there at number seventeen, uh, I would almost, I mean, I wouldn't predict uh, that it would happen or say for sure that it's going to happen, but I would not be shocked if that's exactly what happened with the trade back down, uh, because this, like again, this draft is so deep with the tackle position um, that you know you can you can trade back a few spots, pick up an extra pick this year to address another need. Uh, I don't think that that's uh, out of line, you know, whatsoever. In fact, it makes a lot of sense. It really does make a lot of sense. And if there's somebody that just, you know, there's there's a team that's just super super motivated to to make sure that they get their guy uh, at number seventeen, then they're going to give up, you know, maybe a third round pick uh, to to move up. And now all of a sudden, you know, if you're the Raiders, yeah. you're sitting there with two third or three third round picks. It gives you a whole lot of flexibility to now move yeah. back up into the second exactly. round. There's a lot. Of, yeah. There's exactly, a lot of things exactly. you can do. Appreciate the call, Lester. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, enjoying the conversation. And, and uh, you know, I, I know that there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, feelings out there on, on, on Twitter on, with some Raider fans. They're saying that, well, Michael could do this. Michael can't, can't do that. We only saw Michael Parsons for two years. This is a guy who played defensive end uh, in, in high school. Um, as his coach, James Franklin, has said many times, he's just scratching the surface. This guy brings so much athletic ability and so much skill um, to the table uh, that there's there's a lot of things that just because we haven't seen him do it in college doesn't mean he's not capable of doing it uh, in the NFL. And remember, he only played two years. We have no idea what kind of role he would have played this year at Penn State. Um, and and I'm sure... Had he played, you would have seen more of some of the things that you're might be quote unquote worried about uh, with him. You know, can he defend in the past? Yeah, with that kind of athletic ability, and by all accounts, I know that there's some red flags with the maturity, but uh, by all accounts, he's a smart kid. Um, he should be able to to get it if he if he if he wants it bad enough. The athletic ability is there to become a uh, a, a guy that could stay on the field all three downs and be an asset in pass coverage. He's definitely a hunter when it comes to, um, you know, the, uh, the, the run game. 
He's somebody that you can line up upright or down with his hand in the ground uh, to go rush the passer. He's such a physically imposing athlete uh, that you don't have to necessarily call stunts or plays for him in the blitz. He can beat guys one-on-one off the line of scrimmage uh, as far as getting after the quarterback. So he's just somebody that, that helps you in so many different ways. To me, there aren't that many defensive players in the draft that fit this kind of a bill. Um, but he does, and and that's why with everything that he brings to the table, I just think that uh, you know he's a guy that you know definitely is is somebody that that you would you should be thinking about uh, in terms of of, of trading up uh, for. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Going to go right out to the Raider Nation listener line. Justin wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Justin? Vinny, what's going on, brother? How we doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Barely, barely getting on the show now, but... Um... And so I was thinking about it, um, say a Parsons uh, doesn't fall to us, say uh, Caleb Farley doesn't fall to us, um, or one of the guys that we see as, as the premier defensive player at 17. Um, keep it in mind that uh, the TCU safety, Mo Rig, is I think he's widely considered the top safety on the board. I don't think he's, he's probably the pick at 17, but uh, considering trading back in the first round, how far do you think the Raiders could trade back and still be able to snag him in the first round? Or do you think he he might even be there in the second where we can consider a, a trade up in the second round if, if need be? Do you think that might be an option they look at if those top defensive talents we've been laboring about aren't there? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, does he get out of the first round? I don't think he can count on it. Um, I, I really don't. I think that you would have to either, um, you know, trade down uh, to justify picking him uh, in the first round because 17 is probably a tad too high. Um, right. Or you trade back up. You could you could always trade back up into the first round. Um, you know, to to if you feel like you know he's going to be there or he won't be there beyond that first round. So that's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one. Uh, so, yeah, if, if if you're trading back, then I think the track is to either, you know, if you think that Jeremiah is going to be there, you know, a few picks. If you if you drop down, let's say, four or five uh, spots, pick up an extra third-round pick, let's say. Um, you know, you can't get too tricky because, you know, you, you, on, on one hand, you're telling your owner – this is the guy we want. This is the guy we want. This is the guy you want. Then you get too cute, trade back, and you don't get the guy you want. And now you got to go explain to your owner, who says, "I thought you said we were getting so and so. What yeah. happened? You know." And, uh, and then, especially if you have to for the next five years watch that guy, you know, just tear up the league, knowing that you blew it. So you have to be really careful. But I think so. In that in that scenario, you you'd almost have to have two or three players that. You'd be you, you sell yourself your ownership on um, that. Hey, if we trade back, we're still going to have one of these three guys. We'll still be there for sure, and we're happy with either one of those guys, any of those three guys that we're talking about. Um, so, yep. and and for me, if if I'm doing it, it would be like for a, a Jeremiah, and you know, one of the offensive tackles. I don't think I'm going to go safety. 
in the first round. I think you can wait. Uh, there's 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 good safeties. You know, uh, I heard somebody, one of the callers earlier, saying he didn't think you know Javon Holland um, was a free safety. I think he's. I think he is, and I think he would have shown that this year uh, had he played. Yes, uh, he's played slot cornerback, which is a good thing actually. Because nowadays, safeties have to play all over the field. So uh, it's not a bad thing to have somebody that has shown that he can play uh, closer to the line of scrimmage and defend uh, in the slot. Because a lot of times, you're asking your safeties to move down uh, and, and, and play that position. But I also think he's a such a good cover uh, uh, coverage type of a player uh, that he could play that center field position, that single high center field position that this defense, uh, this defensive scheme, requires so um that's yeah or, or the tackle one of the tackles you know whether it's tevon jenkins or uh chris and uh one of those two guys you have to end up with one of those guys if you're if you're trading if you're trading back um but i just you know maybe it's just because i'm kind of fixated on it today really intrigued about the possibility of trading up to go get a michael parsons uh and How again much do you think it cost then? Um, to get to let's let's say it's the Detroit Lions at number seven. Let's just say that that's where you you, you feel like we got to go to number seven to eliminate any doubt, you know, uh, right. any concern. Uh, probably a um, next year's first round. From what I'm being told, anyway, next year's first round pick and maybe one of the third round picks this year or a fourth round pick this year. I think Detroit's looking like making the long play here. So I think that they would be okay moving down to 17, picking up an extra first-round pick, even if it's for next year. Let me, let me ask a, you a follow-up to that, Ben. Where do you where do you have Parsons stacked up to Simmons coming out last year? What's that? Uh, the the linebacker that went to the Cardinals last year, Simmons. I think he went uh, seven or eight overall last year. There you go. Yeah, and, uh, and by the end of the year, he was playing good, pretty well. And I think that Michael Parsons is actually – a better player than Isaiah okay. Simmons. Uh, I really do. And, uh, and I think that I'd be shocked because I've seen this on Twitter. You know, can he, can he backpedal and, and, and play in coverage? I'd, I'd be shocked if he wasn't good in that area, uh, defending running backs uh, and tight ends. I really believe that he's too good of an athlete for that not to be um, something that he's going to be able to pull off uh, at the next level. It might take a little while, uh, but he's, he, like I said, he's too explosive and too good of an athlete uh, where I would be concerned that he wouldn't be able to grasp or be able to pull that off. I want to say thank you to all uh, the callers. Uh, thank you so much for the insight and the uh, and the enthusiasm. You know I love it. Thanks to Sam Gordon uh, and Paul Gutierrez for uh, joining us uh, and shedding their light and insight uh, on the situation. I uh, want to say thanks to Jared, uh, our great producer. Appreciate uh, you filling in on short notice. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We'll check you out tomorrow.